In this episode, we reflect on the challenges of seeking an autism-inclusive church and discuss how to advocate for simple changes at free or low cost to your place of worship. Welcome to Embracing Autism, a podcast for parents of autistic children seeking advice and support while spreading awareness and acceptance of autism spectrum disorder. I'm Leah. And I'm Matt. And each week we will discuss our journey with autism and talk about how to embrace your child's individuality while providing guidance, tips, resources, and sharing our personal stories. This is Embracing Embracing Autism. Autism. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about a subject that we have been struggling with particularly recently. We did recently move to a new home in a new state, and as part of that process, we have been looking for a new church for our family, and it has been quite a challenge. So I think this kind of ties a little bit into kind of creating like the social fabric of your life. So we had mentioned a little bit as far as kind of getting like your team kind of all set up as far as like the neighborhood and such. So I feel like in our case, like the church is like one of those elements in our life. And for us, we particularly want to make sure that our kids are getting social interaction and a social life, particularly during the summer when there's like no school in session. Plus, our kids are still pre-K age, so they didn't really have school. We really think it's important for them to have that like socialization aspect with other peers their age and have kind of like a curriculum focus where they practice sitting down and doing these routines. So for us, it's really important to find that. And one of the things that we had at our old place was a really nice accommodating church. They did not have any sort of like special needs department. They were really small. But what they had was like really compassionate staff and people who were willing to basically just take our kid aside and help them when they're having meltdowns, put them in a quiet room, things like that, even though they weren't trained for it. I mean, I think it was like, what, a 16-year-old who was doing it at the time? Yeah, they're mostly like teenagers kind of mixed with like adults kind of running the program and overseeing everything. But uh, yeah, the girls that were with our our girls (laughs) were, um, I think, both teenagers. So part of the struggle that we have had since moving here is finding that kind of home base again. It has been a surprisingly disappointing journey so far. We have looked into multiple churches so far, and I've been reaching out to people and just telling them, hey, I have two special needs kids. They really don't need a whole lot of accommodating, but essentially sometimes they might have a little bit of a struggle with sensory overload. All you got to do is really just like take them out of the room for a couple minutes, put them in a quiet space, and they usually settle back down or you can call me, pull me out, whatever. And in the past, that has been pretty easy to accommodate in our last church. But it seems like for some reason, since we've moved, we've looked church after church after church, and we keep getting the response of, oh, sorry, we're not equipped to handle that. And it's been the same thing with like the private schools too. I personally find it really frustrating because the responses that I get is we're not able to accommodate. And I simply don't understand that because what is it that you need to accommodate? We're not asking you to provide a wheelchair ramp that costs thousands of dollars to build. Usually the accommodations that my kids need are absolutely free. So to me, it's really frustrating because when I hear somebody saying, oh, I'm sorry, we're not equipped to accommodate that, I actually hear, I'm sorry, but we're not willing to accommodate that. 
Well, it's difficult too, because like the accommodations that we're basically asking for are very minimal. Okay. Yes. They get overwhelmed. Yes. They may have a potential meltdown, but if they're able to kind of remove them from the situation where potentially there's other kids have a staff member sit with them. Like I remember at our old church, all they did was basically they would kind of step out with our daughter, kind of have her sit in the hallway with them. I think they were singing like nursery songs to her and she would settle down and just be calm, just sitting there with her. So, I mean, it's not like we're asking them to move like heaven and earth, essentially. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) but very mild, small accommodations would make a world of difference. And it seems like we're not really getting that. And of all places, you think that this would be the one place that would have some type of like compassion. Right. One of the golden, was it the golden rules? Like love thy neighbor. Right. How can you love thy neighbor if you're excluding thy neighbor? So I find that really frustrating to me because it violates the Ten Commandments. You're a church. You of all people should be- Shouldn't turn people away. (laughs) Exactly. They don't, you know, say they're turning us away, but they kind of are without saying it because they're saying, sorry, we're not going to help you so that you can come. So it's kind of like excluding you directly. Right. It, it's basically forcing you to turn yourself away. Yeah. To like exclude yourself. It's, and then they can say, oh, it wasn't us. Right. And then they can kind of like wash their hands of the whole situation, which I mean, it is extremely frustrating because again, we're not really asking for them to make huge accommodations like, oh, we only want two people in like her Sunday school class because more than that yeah. will overwhelm her. We're saying essentially like, hey, if she gets overwhelmed, is there anything that you can do to like try and calm her down? I mean, yeah. Or like if we provide her with earmuffs and and you see that she's getting overwhelmed, can you offer them to her? Right. Like, it's not that hard. And, and it's not something, like, you need specialized training in either. Right. This is, I mean, we had the high school Yeah, we had a 16-year-old do it. Who, and she did it, like, naturally. Like, yep. it was kind of like she figured it out on her own. So it's not like we're asking them to understand everything autism-related in order to resolve a meltdown or anything. We're just asking for the bare essentials. Yes, exactly. So I feel like when it comes to churches in general, or like whatever your place of worship is, a lot of the barriers that I've noticed are things like washing your hands of it, basically saying, oh, sorry, we're not equipped. So that's like one that I've noticed. Another one that I have noticed is not really having any space for anyone to go. That same church that I had gone to, for example, I had been nursing our firstborn and they didn't have a dedicated nursing room, but they basically were like, we don't care. We'll find a nook for you. So they found like a nook and cranny. And I think it was actually like one of their restrooms, but I didn't mind. And they basically told us like, I'll keep watch at the door to make sure nobody comes in. So you have privacy. That's an accommodating church. They didn't have a way to get me what I needed, but they were like, look, we will make do and I will personally assist you to make sure that you're okay. And I think overall, it's basically the person who is in charge or the the elders or who's kind of running the program, because I feel like the church kind of reflects the personality a bit there. If you are a church that is pushing compassion for your fellow neighbor, your fellow churchgoer, then you might have more opportunities. It really is based on any individual person within the church that is kind of shifting the church or directing it in that direction. So, I mean, until we find a church that is willing to basically kind of open up the doors, essentially, we're kind of in a limbo of sorts. And I have found that some of that, I believe, stems from an old school, old world way of thinking when it comes to disabilities. Some churches still kind of believe in that philosophy of, 
if you are disabled or your child is disabled, it's because you have sinned or your father has sinned or your child has sinned. And this is essentially like a punishment from God. And that if you don't do enough, God will not take the disability away. And I feel like that's such a toxic way of seeing things. But I feel like that's part of the contributing factor with the churches who aren't really willing to accommodate. Right. Why would they be willing to accommodate a situation of special needs if they themselves think that the special needs was bestowed upon your family because you had sinned? And it's like accommodating way. sin. Right. You know? So that therefore, I mean, again, they can wash their hands of it and basically be like, oh, our people are humble and not sinful or whatever the heck they want to try and push. Ironically, it's the polar opposite oh, of being know, humble. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. But th- to me, that's like really, really frustrating because I feel like the church should always be like the safe space. It's meant to be the community that you're able to go to and rely on and depend on in moments of hardship. It's supposed to be like what they say. It's like the body of Christ where like everybody comes together and like you're supposed to essentially help each other out. So to me, it's particularly frustrating because if you cannot find inclusion in the place or space that's supposed to be the most inclusive, then you can't essentially find inclusion anywhere if that is supposed to be your home base. I've also just noticed that somebody who has sensory sensitivities, there are certain rituals that you do in church that are not really like autism or sensory friendly. For example, many churches will require you to get up and shake your fellow man's hand and get to know each other and say hello and go meet up at the coffee area and everyone has to say hi to like two people or whatever it may be. And there's a lot of like connection and socializing, which makes sense, right? Because it is supposed to be built as like a body and a community. That makes sense. But at the same time, if you're not willing to do that, you kind of get the side eye from people where it's kind of like an awkwardness because you know that people are starting to think that you're kind of weird or like they might be like judging you or something like that because you're not socializing in the way that would be expected in a church. So I feel like if you put our kids in that situation and you think about how autistic kids tend to do things like parallel play or they tend to be in their own world. Our kids might look in a church setting as more disrespectful. They might be seen as somebody who's not willing to do the church fellowship that people are supposed to do. And sometimes that is viewed as an unwillingness or somebody who's not really raising their child in the proper way, you know? So I feel like there's more judgment in that area. And I feel like for some reason, churches tend to do that a little bit more. I find that difficult to say because I don't believe it should be that way. I know there are many good churches. I mean, our last one was one of those good churches, but it is frustrating that now that we're looking for a new one, it's been really hard to find what we did have before. Well, it's one of the same struggles that we continuously have, except it's in a new environment, Environment, right? Because you think of, okay, if a person sees a child misbehaving, they immediately think of, oh, it's bad parenting. This child's clearly acting out because they're upset, they're a brat, they're a thousand other things, that all negative things that they would have with the child who's acting up. But then if you introduce the concept of, no, my child has special needs, my, my child is autistic, then it changes the tone a little bit because then suddenly, if they are aware enough and they're not a complete jerk, then they're like, oh, okay, something else is at play here. So therefore, the child might not be acting out because they're just not raised well or their parents are terrible. It is this other element that I don't have too much expertise in. But the catch, though, is unless you're willing to disclose a diagnosis to strangers, people you just met, or people you're not super close with, 
it kind of puts you in a weird situation where you're like, I don't want to disclose that kid's entire diagnosis because I don't feel like I should or need to, but I also don't want them to be mistreated or like kind of pushed aside and almost like shunned from the rest of the Sunday school because everyone thinks that they're acting out for some reason. There's also the fact that they're not given a safe space. So even if we disclosed it, if the churches are saying, yeah, but we're not going to accommodate in any way. Like I understand churches don't fall under the legal regulation where they need to accommodate. Places of worship don't have to, mosques don't have to, synagogues don't have to. So I understand that. But I just think about the whole point of religion. And I think about the entire mission of most religions, but particularly with Christianity, where it is the golden rule of loving thy neighbor and trying to be, you know, somebody who helps community and does a lot of like community service. That's something that to me hits the most because I'm like, this is what you're supposed to be specialized in. This is your entire purpose of existing. But I think it also matters like where is your heart? Is your heart basically on I want to give a good image to the community so we're going to do a fundraiser and we're going to make sure that our church has great flyers and doing all this or is it at the heart of the individual who's going to the church saying like hey I'm struggling to find a place that we belong as a family. Are you able to accommodate us? There's less media news with that. Flashiness. Right. It's, It's not well known. Like it's word of mouth like oh like if you find like a friend or something. Oh, this church is great. They're so accommodating for my family. But I feel like sometimes they kind of get into that world of like, well, it doesn't help us because we have to use more resources or whatever their case may be versus something that might be a little bit more flashy. Like we just raised a thousand dollars for the church with this food giveaway or or whatever whatever it is. So it's, it's less flashy. And that's why I think that that's where they kind of might get in the way a little bit. Yeah, you briefly mentioned like the bigger churches, like the mega church style type of church. And those tend to be the ones that have those more resources for the special needs community where they might have a sensory room. They might do something like that. But the pure irony about that is people who are like our kids or like myself with the sensitivities to certain things, we don't like going to those situations because they're overwhelming. I can't imagine putting my kid who had to be pulled out of a classroom with eight other kids who were rambunctious and that 16-year-old pulled her out because of sensory overload. I can't imagine her in a special needs room in a mega church because that room's probably going to be much louder and there's going to be a lot more flashing lights and there's going to be a whole lot more stimulation because in a lot of my experience, that is what those mega churches do. Like they have a lot of production and all this stuff. And I just feel like it seems antithetical. Like it, it basically makes no sense. That the one place, right? right. Exactly. You have to go to a larger church to get the more resources, but in doing so, you're more likely to have sensory overload with the larger church than with a smaller church. Right. So therefore, it's it's kind of the vicious cycle of I don't even know. Like you'd be continuously struggling the entire time you're there, almost to the point of you ask yourself, why bother? Like because you're going to a situation that you know is going to create sensory overload, and therefore you're purposely putting yourself in that environment, knowing that is going to happen. So it's kind of like, why? <laughs> and, and it's not just the sensory overload. What is another key component to autism? The socialization Social. aspect. <laughs> yeah. So you're going to tell me that the only way to get these resources is to go to a church that has like thousands of attendees that is super crowded in between sessions and stuff like that. I'm like, this makes no sense. There's no way that somebody who is socially anxious and not able to communicate well and very sensory disoriented, essentially, or sensory sensitive is going to be cool with going to like a mega church with a ton of people in it and a ton of stuff going on. But think how many people's hands you could shake. (laughs) 
<laughs> so gross. Uh, I don't like it. <laughs> but that's that to me is like one of those really frustrating parts about this. I'm always trying to think of like, what are these barriers that are getting in the way of like me and my kids being able to attend a church? And why are they there? Why is it that churches, despite not having to create a handicap ramp, they are still doing it. They're accommodating a person with a physical disability. They have handicap parking. So they're willing to do that. But yet when it comes to these like invisible disabilities, and it's not just limited to churches, this is like any, pretty much any business, like this is something that a lot of people struggle with everywhere. But I find that churches in particular seem to be lacking with accommodating disabilities, especially invisible disabilities like autism. I mean, it's easier to spot the the physical ones because I mean, it's right in your face versus kind of the invisible ones where you actually have to kind of dive a little deeper to kind of figuring out what is the uh, disability that they are struggling with. Because it's not just autism that's an invisible disability. I mean, there are a wide range of other disabilities that people struggle with that, again, they wouldn't know unless they kind of engage in conversation with them or their family. Right. But I am the type of person who's very proactive and I'm not going to let that get in the way. (laughs) (laughs) As you know, we've already been talking about this. So there are things that we as parents can do to try to help out these churches, try to help out wherever your place of worship is or wherever it is that you feel like is lacking these resources. Of course, it all comes down to like advocating, but there's simple changes that can be made. One of them is recommending some sort of quiet sensory room space. They don't have to have the budget for sensory room. Like they don't need to have the pretty lights and the music and a fog machine. Like they don't need to have like a production. Now, if it's a well. I like the fog machine with the laser lights. It looks really cool. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but one of the things that they could easily do is create like sensory buddy bags. These are just like bags that you have at your church and they can have like noise reduction earmuffs. They can have some sensory fidgets in them. They can have like a little communication board in them or some other like visual communication boards, things like that. So that's something that is really low cost that they can have just, you know, wherever their check-in table is. And they can always just offer those to people who need Need them. Another thing that they could do that's free is just to have a buddy to go with the kid. So if there's somebody that that kid can kind of form a bond with or have somebody who is basically there advocating for that child during the sessions, whether they need somebody to help them play with another kid or do the activities or whatever it may be. There are also a lot of programs online. I believe one of the people who is responsible for them, her name is Sarah Peoples, P-E-E-P-L-E-S. And she is responsible specifically for doing autism inclusivity programs in the churches. It has a ton of free guidelines on how to do this at really low cost or free. And I feel like if you're able to like break the barrier where you are able to create fellowship with someone on the inside of the church, that can be beneficial to kind of gaining kind of the upper hand because then you have someone to help you out essentially. If you're the type of person, another thing you can do is volunteer your time. Like maybe if you feel so called, you can say, you know what, I will be in charge of the special needs department. I will be the one running this program. I'll help you guys out. I'll give you some advice or suggestions or whatever it may be. If you feel like that's something that you can do. Otherwise, maybe just recommend them to places like give them a direction to go in and give people resources like that Sarah People. She has a lot of them. It's basically just advocating for your child in the church, just as you would in the school, because nobody else is going to fight for your kid other than you. So basically, now we're kind of shifting gears. So instead of us just looking for the church itself, now we're kind of diving in, getting our hands dirty a little bit and kind of advocating again to try and make sure that we are able to kind of create a nice safe space within the church that we ultimately go with. 
that they will have with, I mean, our assistance, the resources to kind of assist other autistic families. And I find it really interesting that this is something that parents often have to do in schools. And a lot of times you don't think about, oh, gee, we have to do this in other parts of our lives too. So if you are like a churchgoer, this is something that you also have to do at church. But the difference is churches don't have to have an IEP. So that's something that like we need to basically work on ourselves because in that area, in that department, there is no other assistance. But you know what? I'm an optimist. I'm going to keep fighting the good fight and I will share any resources that I find if anyone's interested. So remember, you're your child's best resource. So if your church doesn't have anything available, just share with them anything that you can find that you think might help your child or other kiddos like them. And hopefully if it's a good church, they'll be willing to listen and perhaps make some changes. And with that said, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. In summary, we reflected on the lack of acceptance and accommodation in many churches and how we as parents can make a difference by advocating for our children, recommending sensory spaces and sensory bags, as well as giving churches guidance on how to build an inclusive community through simple acts of kindness. Tune in next time as we take a closer look at the debate over the term disability and answer questions such as, is the term disabled considered to be derogatory? If it is, should it be? Are there other terms to consider when discussing my autistic child? Or is this all just semantics? This is Embracing Autism.